Good morning, Manchester Creek Church. It's a joy to be uh, together um, as we're able to during these crazy times. I trust that you're doing well and the cabin fever is not getting to you. Um, sometimes being at home alone, we can kind of have some miscommunications or get a little irritable, and I trust that's not happening to anyone um, as we seek to have the Lord's uh, character manifest in ourselves with each other during this time as we're kind of cooped up and hunkering down and uh, I just trust the Lord's blessing your time at home there. You know, mis miscommunications happen a lot. I remember the story of one guy that um, he went in and to a pharmacist and he asked the pharmacist, um, he said, what do you have for hiccups? And uh, the pharmacist just all of a sudden just hauled off and slapped the guy. He says, the guy says, what did you do that for? He, and the pharmacist says, well, look, you don't have the hiccups anymore. And the man said, well, he said, but my wife out in the car still does. And, uh, you know, miscommunications are possible when you're at home. So be patient and kind and loving one towards another. Um, and just as the Lord has been. We want to talk about Jesus' coming today. We want to look at uh, Matthew chapter 21, so trust you have your Bibles there, and uh, we're going to be opening up Matthew chapter 21. My key verse today is from John 1, 11 to 12. It says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the, ch the children of God, to those who believe in his name. So we want to be believing, manifesting that we are his children. Let's pray right now. Lord God, we thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this time of trial, this time of really, uh, Lord, we're, we don't know the future, but we know you who has the future in his hands. And Lord, so we trust you. We cling to you at this time. Pray that as we break spiritual bread together, that it would be edifying, that it would be stimulating, challenging, and Lord, uh, we just give you total right over our hearts and minds. We ask that you would uh, uh, speak to us and, and um, may your will be done in our, our lives, our homes, our families. We ask it for your glory and in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead. Let's look at it. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. When we look at uh, Jesus coming into, he's on his way near to Jerusalem. This will be his last travelings. Um, during his three years of ministry. Isn't that incredible about our Lord? Three years of ministry to have impacted the world like he did. Just three short years. You know, I, I was talking with somebody uh, last week about that, and they did not know that. They didn't know the calendar was based on Jesus. They didn't know that he only really ministered for three years. And uh, um, there's no other way to explain it other than that it is of God. And what Jesus did and what he taught and giving his life as a ransom for us is of God. God sealed his approval on it 
by raising him from the dead the third day. And we're about to celebrate that next week, amen? But we want to look at this. And, and during this time, he's just drawing to Jerusalem. This will be the last time, his last trip. So he knows what's coming. Um, six days from this date, this passage, he would be crucified. And uh, it was probably on a Monday, we're not sure, but uh, we celebrated on Sunday. It's called Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry. And he knew what waited him in Jerusalem. He had already talked to his disciples. He had prophesied several times to his disciples. Um, when he was still up in Galilee, he told them when he was on a mountain near the, near the sea there, in Matthew 16, verse 21, he said, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He told them when he was still in Galilee also, in Matthew 17, Matthew chapter 20, he told them again on his way to Jerusalem, um, <clears throat> just before this. He's going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, <clears throat> Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. He knew that his hour of trial was coming. <clears throat> this trial that waited Jesus, um, it wasn't going to be something joyful for him, right? This trial that was the giving of his life, um, he knew it was coming, and yet he went through it. He still went forward. He still went to Jerusalem. Um, he knew why he was going. Um, he had corrected Peter. Peter said, well, then, Lord, don't go to Jerusalem. And, and Jesus said, you're, you're thinking like men think. Um, I'm going to go to Jerusalem because that's where I'm going to give my life as a ransom. I'm going to redeem the captives. Not political, but spiritual captives. Um, in a human sense, it was not joyful what awaited him, and yet he endured. In Hebrews 12.1, some of our favorite passages, Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That word despising, does that jump out to you? He despised the shame. When we think about despising, um, the Greek word is kataphroneo, and um, it means to think down upon, to think low upon, to make of no account, to regard as nothing. When you despise something, you make it of no account. You treat it like it's of no, no importance, of no, no factor for you. Um, it's, it's the idea is feeling contempt or deep repugnance for. What does contempt mean? Contempt means feeling that is beneath your consideration worthless or actually deserving of scorn. Um, Jesus despised the cross. He despised the shame, I'm sorry. And um, he counted it as nothing. He didn't give it importance. He didn't let it become the central point of his vision 
as he went towards Jerusalem. Um, the same word, kataphraneo, is used in Matthew 6:24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either will, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's an interesting aspect of this word, despising. It's a choice. It's a choice, what you choose to make the central point of your vision, what you choose to give importance, what you choose to make of account becomes a major factor as you live your life. And so when Jesus despised the shame, he, made, he thought lowly of it. You know, and some of us are going through trials now, right? We all kind of are together in a certain way. And, and I'll just ask you, what are you putting in front of your eyes? What are you making important? What are you making of account? What is the central point of your vision as you think about the future? Is it the coronavirus? Is it the news broadcasts about the coronavirus? It's pretty hard to get away from nowadays, isn't it? But um, let me ask you to do this. Make Jesus your central point of focus. Amen? Make him the central point of your focus. Um, let these trials be cataphraneo um, for you. Let these trials be uh, something of no account, something that you don't give great importance to, something that you look down upon and you look up to Jesus. Hebrews 12 said it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, he despised the shame. He made a choice, and we can make a choice in the midst of our trials. Amen, church? Um, we have to be careful what we hold in high esteem, right? If we're right in what we hold in high esteem, and we, we will be blessed. I'm convinced of it. If we hold something in high esteem that we should not, that's actually the root of idolatry, isn't it? Or we can fall victim to living in fear of something that we shouldn't have given so much importance to. If we, if we do not hold in high esteem that what we should, we miss his peace in the midst of the storm. And I pray that our church, that we are experiencing his peace in the midst of the storm. Um, what will you give high esteem and make really important during this trial that we're all in? What will you think down upon and make of no account? We have to go back to God's word. We have to know that, um, get base our, our vision for as we think about our future, the central point, the truths that are revealed in his word. We know that he's not surprised by this virus, amen? We know that he's not worried about what he's gonna do. We know that he's not angry that things didn't turn out his way. But we know that he is working in his church. This is a time I'm convinced of teaching, that we are to be learning from God's word. I trust that you're having time in God's word and able to uh, just take advantage of this time. Don't waste a crisis, right? Um, get into God's word. Um, He's working to conform you to his image. He is building faith in his church. 
and he is still reaching out to him, to those who don't know him. So we go on in chapter uh, 21 of Matthew. Um, Jesus was really setting the stage here for his triumphal entry. Um, basically, if we continue reading, starting in verse uh, uh, four, it says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on them, and they set him on them. He's setting the stage for the prophecy that apparently a lot of people knew of this prophecy. They knew of this MO, this modus operandi, this way of doing it, um, where a king would come into um, his kingship on a donkey. It's actually happened several times in scripture, um, but this was foretold um, of his lowliness, his humility, um, that he would be coming um, lowly on a, on a donkey. Um, he was actually, Jesus here, was actually manifesting two of his three offices. We know that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Throughout scriptures, we look at that, but he's prophet. And so he didn't simply uh, fulfill um, the prophecies about him. He also prophesied. You know, he prophesied his death and his resurrection. He prophesied the reaction of the religious leaders back then. Um, then he goes on in verse 3, he says, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. So his coming like this was foretold, but then in the midst of that, he also foretold and showed his office of prophet. In the broader sense of prophet, simply meaning one who reveals God to us and speaks to us the words of God, Christ is, of course, truly and fully a prophet. Yet he is the one about whom the prophecies were made. He was not merely a messenger of the revelation from God, but he himself was the source of revelation of God. He spoke with his own authority. You know, in my Sunday school class before we broke up there last month, um, we were going through Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said multiple times, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you. And he clarified, he, made, he brought it to the heart. He didn't make it external conformity, he brought it to the heart. No prophet ever spoke like that. No prophet ever said, I say to you. They knew, they were very conscious, they were aware that they were speaking what had been revealed to them by God. But Jesus, Jesus was giving direct revelation because he is God. He's the pro he is prophet. He's also king. Obviously, this whole prophecy, uh, prophecy was coming true. Uh, it was about his kingship. The multitudes who went before them in verse 9, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to who? What does it say? Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David, in the Jewish mind, first century, son of David meant the messianic king coming to rule and set up his kingdom. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, kings, 
as I mentioned before, it'll be, it'll be something that we'll be looking at in our home groups, uh, uh, different passages where kings in the Old Testament uh, were inaugurated into their office uh, as king via this, uh, this way of doing it. But uh, um, Matthew actually cites two different passages. Um, he was, this was indeed a, a special announcement. This was, Jesus set the stage with the donkey, the people were ready, and um, um, he is king. He's a spiritual king. They didn't understand that. We can look back and see it in 2020. But, um, and, of course, he is priest. We know that. This passage doesn't particularly talk about that. Uh, but Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Seeing then that we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are, and yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He offered himself as priest, <laughs> as the sacrifice, he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for sin. He brings us near to God, allows us to enter into the Holy of Holies and say, Abba, Father. And he intercedes for us. Hebrews 7.25, you can look that up. Um, Hebrews 7.25, it says he intercedes for us. Wow, how many want Jesus interceding for you, amen? We move on from verse to verse 10. When he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> These multitudes that were with him uh, most likely had followed him from Galilee. There are some, some theologians who estimate possibly 100,000 people. Um, he gathered, it seems like he gathered crowds. Um, nine, verse 19, if we back, to, uh, back up to chapter 19, verse 2. It says, it came to pass, Jesus had finished these sayings. He departed from Galilee, came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him. And then 20, verse 29, it says, and they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. If you start adding up these multitudes, and we don't know for sure, but what it seems like is the multitude, a multitude of people came with him from Galilee, a multitude of people came with him from the Jericho area, and 21 verse 8, it's, it says there, a very great, very great multitude spread their garments on the road. Um, so we don't know for sure if it was 100,000, but it was a very large multitude. This was like a, almost a besieging of the city. I mean, I can imagine the religious leaders who had feared earlier that the whole world would go after Jesus, um, that they did, that the world did. <laughs> and... Um, um, when we think about um, what happens a week later, we think about his crucifixion. Is it possible? Most theologians think so. But is it possible that some of these same people that followed him, that were impressed by his teaching and his miracles, is it possible that some of those same people were the ones who cried out, crucify him. You kind of get the first glimmer 
of maybe some spiritual confusion, some spiritual duplicity, some chaos in some of the souls of the people with this, this statement. Um, Who is this? They said in verse 10. <laughs> he came into Jerusalem. The city was moved saying, Who is this? Who is this? Wow. You know, I'm convinced that that same spiritual chaos or confusion exists in the minds of many people today. Um, we're convinced that he is Lord. We're convinced that he is our Savior. Um, I've, seen, I've seen people that are kind of on the fence with Jesus and maybe one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. And I think it's more related to their thinking. Who is this? I think they've, they've been rolling that around. Really, is, is he God? Is he Lord over all? Or was he kind of a nice religious leader? Who is he for you? And I trust, I trust the Holy Spirit speaking to you now. I trust that he will convince you of who he is. That's what the Holy Spirit's coming for. That's what he's here for. That's what he's working in your life to do, to convince you that Jesus is worthy of being the central point of your focus, of your life. He's worthy of that. He wants to come in, as he wanted to come into Jerusalem, he wants to come in to your life. He wants to come into your family. He wants to be your king. Will you make way? You know, it says they laid palm branches down and put their clothing down. They made a royal red carpet for Jesus to enter into Jerusalem. Um, will you make way? Will you proclaim him king? Or are you going to continue to wonder, who is this? That confusion, that spiritual doubt will keep you one foot in the kingdom and one foot out. And man, I'll tell you, that's a terrible place to be. Should blessings and cursings come out of our mouth, James says? No. We should speak the truth about Christ. And he's here. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your home during this coronavirus uh, hunkering down. Will you make him the center point of your family life together? If you're alone, if you're a couple, if you've got children, will you do that? Let me pray for us. God, Lord Jesus, we welcome you at this time. We thank you for manifesting to us that we need to despise the trials and hold you in high esteem. We ask, Lord, that you would work powerfully in us, that you would manifest your presence, that you would convince those who are double-minded that they would be both feet, entire being in the kingdom, that they would be able to say, yes, you are my king, you are my Lord, 
Lord, may it in your people, I ask, that it would just be so clear and manifest that the fruits of our thoughts and beliefs and affirmations of you would be manifest. We ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.